Hi, I'm Terrell Turner, the host of the Business Talk Library. And today I have a great interview for you today with Jeff Katz. And the reason why I think this one is great is because, you know, there, there's a couple of things that you will experience as you're building a business and going through that stage. And part of that is, you know, your, your product strategy and it's figuring that journey out. And believe me, it is a journey. It's not going to be a one and done. So I wanted to bring Jeff Katz on to talk about, you know, his background, his experience in that area and the awesome company that he's working with. So welcome to the show, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. Really, really good. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. My pleasure. Now, you know, before we jump into, like, say, your role, you know, with, you know, chief product and strategy, um, what was your background before coming to, you know, the current company you're at? Yeah, so I, I'm kind of a, been in the digital marketing tech space for a very long time, so maybe 15 years. Um, and so working for companies like Verizon Media, formerly AOL, um, some mid-sized companies and small startups, uh, but essentially throughout the whole time, um, my specialty has been in biz running business incubation units for these companies. So essentially starting up new products and services. And it's very interesting, you know, a big company that's trying to innovate versus a mid-sized company and small size. There's a lot of really interesting things that happen. And I learned a lot from my experience in the digital marketing tech uh, space. Uh, and then um, in my last role, uh, I, I had the fortunate opportunity to work for a computer vision company um, that was looking to diversify into other areas in addition to digital marketing. And so that's where when I came in and realized, wow, computer vision could be used to really innovate in sports and how you measure the value of sponsorships. So what I did before um, Fan AI was basically built a division called Gum Gum Sports that basically looks at all of the branding in a, in a field or a court, all of the, the ads, uh, so to speak. Uh, but instead of doing it manually and having people with stopwatches count the number of seconds that it's on the screen, we automated it. Um, and we used computer vision to basically look at not just the TV broadcast, but also social media and all the branding that that people get that that Coke, Pepsi, um, you know, any of the big brands out there get be able to quantify the value from a media standpoint. And that's kind of what I did uh, prior to joining Fan AI. I mean, and that's a very interesting one, because my, my background is accounting and finance. So from a finance standpoint is. One of the questions we usually ask the marketing team is, hey, you know, what's my ROI on giving you this money for the marketing dollars? Totally. <laughs> so yeah. it's very interesting to be able, like I said, to capture that data, because I think that's a critical part of, you know, being able to answer that finance question the finance team asks. Absolutely. And and that's kind of why, that's actually why I joined Fan AI is because, you know, so me, the concept of media value is that's kind of the currency in sponsorships and sports on how you as a brand or as a team or a league understand the value of say, you know, TV visible signage, right? So when a brand appears on, on the screen, whether it's TV or social media, what's the value from a media perspective, what would it have cost to go and purchase that media? And, you know, and, and it's helpful to, to know that, 
but it doesn't answer the underlying question, which is kind of what you were saying, which is, but what's my ROI? Like, what is my return on my investment? And, uh, and that's why um, I met the, the founder of uh, FanAI, uh, Johannes, um, and he you know, was very passionate from, from kind of his background in solving this problem and basically saying, look, you know, if I'm a big brand and I'm spending hundreds of millions of dollars a year on sponsorships, how do I actually go and see whether people are actually spending more on my products because of the investment. And that's what got me really excited to take on this new opportunity. Awesome. Awesome. So, I mean, let's talk a little bit more about fan AI. I mean, when, when you, when you, you thought about, you know, fan AI compared to, you know, other places that you worked other than what you just mentioned, were there other differences that attracted you to it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think, First of all, from a culture perspective, I really thought or, or felt and still feel that the, the culture in fan AI was one that, that I, I loved. I thought, you know, just in, in general, here, here's a group of people who are looking to really um, do something that's never been done before, disrupt an industry with something that we know the industry wants and needs. But until now, um, there's not not only has the product not been in existence, but people kind of didn't believe that it was possible, which is why, which is why, you know, media valuation and, and um, custom surveys around brand awareness and purchase consideration, you know, those are kind of the norm. And I'm not saying those need to go away, but there's never been kind of an understanding that we could solve this problem. We could actually tie a fan base to how they purchase with a brand. Um, so, so that, I mean, I just, from a career standpoint, I, I love when possible, I love to follow the passion because then when you're putting in the long hours, it's, it's much easier when it's something that, that you're passionate about. Uh, clearly if you're, if you're producing as many segments as you are per week, uh, you've got to be passionate about what you're doing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I think that that, that is a, you know, a phenomenal thing, you know, like I said, what you said about, you know, when possible, because I, I do think, like I said, that there have been phases where it wasn't possible. And I was working in public accounting, like it wasn't possible for me to follow my passion then. But I think it's like long term is finding opportunities to do that. Now, for you sure. know, one of the things I'm curious about is, you know, as you think about, you know, the role of, you know, product and strategy, you know, with a company that already had, you know, like I said, an environment and, a philosophy that attracted you, you know, how do you come in the door and start to make your impact on the product and the strategy journey? Well, so with a, with a bold kind of vision and goal for the company, it's not something that could be built really quickly. And so fan AI before I got there looked, looked quite different. Um, and this is not saying that fan AI did the wrong thing. FanAI basically was doing the best it could on delivering on the long-term vision of the company, which is to solve that, that question of, you know, am I getting more because I invested in, in a team or a league? Um, they were doing, uh, they had lines of business that were driving revenue now um, while they were putting in kind of the framework to be able to solve the ultimate big question. So whereas the company previously was kind of focused on, servicing esports rights holders so teams and leagues around the esports ecosystem which was exploding at the time and still is um 
the the strategy and partnerships to enable the the longer term vision um that's what when i came on i was able to help accelerate and kind of think about how do we get there more quickly and once we once we identified a couple of of things that we can do to accelerate um our our path to that um then then it became about all right we need to now focus all of our attention on solving the long term you know problem that we're all here to solve so we had to make some difficult decisions uh, around where to focus our energy and now we are 100% focused on solving the real spend question uh for sponsorship measurement um and and really that we are we have doubled down and and some of the strategic deci- decisions that were made uh were were really about you know how do we scale this and and do it in a way um that that'll work when when a company a brand will want to roll this out to say 100 different teams or properties gotcha awesome awesome so i mean when you talk about you know you know defining kind of that that real spin um, and I know you mentioned esports and you mentioned teams and brands. You know, what are the types of industries or what do fan AI's customer base usually look like? So who would be their target audience? Absolutely. So the 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 folks who can benefit the most right now from the from the platform would be the largest spenders in sports and sponsorships. Um in within that group, I'd say CPG companies like um the the beverage companies that that spend a lot in sports um or um quick serve restaurants uh though those are kind of the sweet spot right now um because people are transacting with those companies very frequently um and and those brands are very pervasive in sports So you could really look at it and say, "Hey, for a particular brand, um how are the fan bases across MLB, NFL, NHL, how are they spending with your brand and how does that control how does that compare to a control group of fan or of people who look like those fans but weren't exposed to the sponsorship?" And that's how you answer the question of incrementality. is you can answer the question of how much are they spending with you but you might say well they would have spent that with me anyway and that's why there there needs to be some element of a control group gotcha gotcha no oh, that makes perfect sense and you know one of the things I'm curious is um when you think about you know for a a company or a league or a team or a big brand that's reaching out to fan ai you know what does that you know that 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 working relationship look like like what would that experience be for the client yeah so from a client perspective these big brands there are lots of different areas of their business or or roles and responsibilities that that want this data right you have the head of sports or or the 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 head of sports who's reporting up into the CMO who's asking for more more transparency and more metrics because the CMO is getting all sorts of metrics from the the marketing side from TV from online advertising like there's an explosion of metrics and now they're going and turning around to the sports guys and saying hey we'd love to see you know some of these some of these metrics that we're used to seeing on the on the traditional marketing side um so so they love it they love to be able to to have um similar kinds of metrics to what uh the folks on the other side of the marketing uh spectrum have at their at their company but then you also have the regional sponsorship managers 
who are running what's called activations or promotions, you know, in the different markets. And they want to know, are these working? You know, when we give away a free sandwich or, you know, do, do those kinds of promotions, like, do they actually drive um, not just the initial lift in sales, but, but an ongoing lift in, in engagement with, with those retail uh, locations for the fan base. So the, the regional sponsorship managers and then the, the agencies that, that support the brands um, as well, they love it because they then get to engage on a more strategic level and, and, and do more analysis to, to add value. So, um, and then you also have uh, analytics groups within the brand that run regression analyses and do all sorts of you know, complicated modeling and, and, and attribution uh, models, marketing mix models. Uh, and they love it too, to get their hands on the raw data, to be able to plug it into their models so that sports can really take its place alongside the other marketing channels. Awesome. Awesome. So now if someone is interested in doing business with Fan AI or they want to, you know, follow the story and, and, and see what Fan AI is up to, where can they find you guys online or on social media? Yeah, I mean, the, the website's pretty easy. It's just fan.ai. And uh, you can also just go on to LinkedIn uh, and type in Fan AI or, or search for my name, Jeff, Jeffrey Katz, and we'd be happy to uh, start the conversation and really start talking about your business strategically and how we can add more transparency and accountability uh, to, to these, these spends, especially now that we're you know, in a COVID world. I know everyone talks about it. You can't get through anything without saying COVID, but um, it really does align with this idea um, that there needs to be more accountability for every dollar that, that's spent to make sure that it's being put to good use. Absolutely. Absolutely. As a finance person, I was like, that's music to my ear. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, before we wrap up the interview, one of the questions that I like to ask every guest that comes on is when you think about, you know, your expertise and you think about, you know, your background, you know, what's two pieces of advice that you would share with other business owners? Great question. Um, you know, I think getting to an MVP, a minimum viable product, as quickly as possible and really understanding what that means um, is, is very important because as, a, as an entrepreneur or as someone who's trying to disrupt the market, you really need to validate your product as quickly as possible. And let's say, let's say it's not right. You need to know that very quickly so that you can adjust and, and compensate before you run out of money, right? Just on a very basic level. So, um, yeah, so, so certainly when we say validating the product as quickly as possible, how do you validate a product? You get someone to pay for it. Yeah. Um, so if you can do that, I mean, growing revenue, it's one of several good ways to reduce burn, um, which is just one benefit. Uh, but I'd say that would be the first piece of advice is uh, get to your MVP as quickly as possible and be able to sell that. Um, as early as possible so you can learn from the market and, and truly validate what you're trying to do. Um, I'd say the, the second uh, thing is just bringing new disruptive products to market. Um, it's often accompanied uh, pretty much every time accompanied by a lot of curveballs. Um, it, it's never easy. Uh, it's, it's often thankless. And, and one of the hardest things to do is to navigate those curveballs and just do whatever it takes to push through. 
And that's where, when we talked about before, it's really essential to, to have passion, uh, you know, about what you're doing in the product and be mission driven because without that, I mean, I, I don't know how, how one would, would motivate to, to do that. So uh, I'd say that's probably the, the second, the second one. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for being in the interview, um, sharing your story, the wisdom and the insights, and we'll definitely include some links so people can follow fan.ai and they can get in touch with you guys um, because you're, you're providing, like I said, a, a very valuable service that I think that's the question that a lot of brands and companies are trying to figure out is, hey, are we putting the money in the right place that's going to lead to growth? So thank you for coming on. Of course, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Thank you for tuning in to the Business Talk Library. If you like our content, be sure to follow us on social media. And if you want to see more of our exclusive content, you can subscribe and become a member on patreon.com forward slash business talk library. Hey, the Business Talk Library is the place where business makes sense.